0: is pastor jordan i am the youth and kids pastor here i get the privilege of with my wife leading these kids and it's such a joy um they're so so much fun and uh we're going to do that again second service with a whole new batch of kids and it's such a such a privilege to do this it's so so fun to see them um doing not just the programs but worshiping every week and learning about god and um how many of them know the story and what jesus's birth means to the world it's so exciting and we love sharing christmas with them and we just love christmas in general amen And man, we love Christmas as we get to celebrate Jesus. And it's my privilege today to to talk to us today out of our series, For All Mankind. We're going to be talking about a couple people in the Bible uh, that actually were included in our story today. That is one of the most profound stories in in the story of Jesus and his birth and his coming into the world. And uh, my title for my message today is this. It's Just Wait. Look at your neighbor and say, Just Wait. Just Wait. All right, I'm going to read us. The Scripture that we're going to be talking about and then we will pray just wait I'm going to talk out of Luke chapter 2 verse number 25 is where we're going to begin says this at the time there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel the Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah That day the Spirit led him into the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, The child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others, and he has been sent as a sign from God. But many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul as well. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died. And when they had been married only seven years, she then lived as a widow to the age of 84. Many people, biblical scholars believe that she actually lived 84 years as a widow. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she she, uh, began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you this morning for, um, for sending your son, Jesus. It's the reason that we gather. It's the story that we tell. It's the, 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 the man that saves us is that baby son, Jesus. We pray, God, that, that you would uh, use this story today to encourage us, to help us. We love you so much. And we thank you that you loved us enough to send that son that we celebrate in this Christmas season. In Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. As I said, the title today is just wait. And as I also said, I'm the youth and kids pastor, so I have quite a bit of experience with those two words. Just wait. Have you ever told a kid to just wait? Have you ever done it? Raise your hand if you ever told your children or somebody to, to, to hear just wait. How did that work out for you? And you're laughing because you know exactly how it works out, because nobody is, is, is pleased with the phrase just wait to the point where they're just like, oh. They probably have something better in mind. I know why I'm supposed to be waiting. I get it. Okay, sounds good. I'll just sit here and wait. No, either they disengage completely or riot completely. You know, there, there's 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 two options there. But just waiting doesn't really work in the mind of a child. And the funny thing is, uh, I think as adults we oftentimes think that we're more um, adult like than we really are because in, in when when we are waiting on God, or when we are waiting for things in life that we feel like should be happening, we're probably a little bit more childlike than we would be willing to admit. We don't like to wait. Everyone's least favorite word is patience, right? I, I hear many people say that I've stopped asking God to give me patience because then he just tests me, right? I, I don't, I don't want to be patient, and the funny thing I notice about the word patient and waiting is patience is actually the first fruit of the Spirit that gets completely left out of Christmas. You ever heard, you read the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5? Love, joy, peace. Those are plastered all over Christmas. Peace upon the earth. Love incarnate. Love divine. Joy to the world. I have never seen a Christmas sign with the word patience. The the, the actual, more literal, many translations when the Bible is translated into English actually use the word long-suffering. I've never seen the word, like, I've never heard a Christmas song that all I want for Christmas is a little bit of long-suffering. It doesn't, you don't hear it. But the funny thing is, love, joy, peace, of course those are all brilliant, beautiful parts of the Christmas story, but so is patience. So is patience. Patience. And we don't like it, so we leave it completely out of the story. But I think that Simeon and Anna, as we're going to unpack today, teach us how to wait well. To wait patiently. And my hope today is that through this story, God can actually help us and show us what it might look like to wait. Everybody say, just wait. wait. Alright, I have a question for you today. Have you ever been, not been in contact with somebody for like 400 years? No. Okay. So let me let me let me tell you what I mean by that. In the in the in the Bible here when when Simeon and Anna takes place, they are at the tail end of what we call the intertestamental period, which means between the end of the Old Testament in Malachi and the beginning of the New Testament where where John the Baptist is born and he starts preaching about the Messiah that is to come, there is about 400 years of history. 400 years where nothing noteworthy happens that to the to the point where It gets in the Bible. So either God was not speaking, the people weren't listening, whatever it may have been, there was 400 years where God and Israel were were not on terms that would allow for God to work in a way that worked its way into the Bible. Yet somehow, some way, these two individuals, Simeon and Anna, are so closely connected that when there has been silence for 400 years, before Jesus even sets foot back onto the earth, these two get their names in there. They have have been dealing with a time of silence in their nation, wondering probably where is God even, but they are righteous, they are devout, they are fasting, they are praying. And they are, in this time of silence, they are closer to God than ever, fervently serving the Lord. And for it, they're blessed. The first character that we see is, is Simeon, and the Bible says that he's a righteous and devout man who is eagerly awaiting the Messiah, He was eagerly awaiting, and the thing is, we don't know how old he is, we don't know how old he was when he was promised that he would see Jesus, but at some point in his life, he was close with with God, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, revealed to him, you are not going to die, Simeon, until you see the Messiah. Now that would have been good news because the Old Testament was waiting, waiting, and waiting, picturing what the Messiah could be like. Everybody would have longed to see this promised Messiah. Jesus, when he himself is on the earth, he talks to his disciples saying, listen, many, 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 many prophets, great men of God, women of God, they all waited and longed to see what you are now seeing. So all of that, all of these people have been waiting and waiting and waiting, and Simeon is close enough with the Holy Spirit that he drops in his heart, Simeon, you are special. You're not going to die until you see my promised Messiah. And we don't know when that was. We don't know if he was 21 when that happened and he had to wait till he was 100. The Bible says nothing about his age, but I can picture that it wouldn't have been a short journey like, hey, Simeon, tomorrow you're going to die and see Jesus. It's going to be great. No, this, it would have been a promise that he had to hold on to. That would have been a difficult promise to hold on to because for the nation of Israel, remember, God had not been active in the sense that they get themselves into the Bible for 400 years. Hundreds of, it's been hundreds of years since there was a prophet that was really active in Israel. And somehow, someway, Simeon is favored enough with God. He's close enough with God that, that God tells him, You, you righteous and devout man, you are going to get to see my promised Messiah. That would have been a beautiful thing to hear. But another thing to accept and wait for, because as I said, it was a period of silence and nobody else that we know of received this promise. So I can imagine that through the days and years that he was waiting, there would have been a lot of doubts, a lot of thoughts that would have told him, you're crazy, you didn't really hear that, you just wanted to hear that, but somehow he holds on. He stays close to God, he's serving God, he's praying enough to the point that when Jesus is born, And they're going to the temple to do all the things that the law requires that they do. The Holy Spirit again whispers to him and says, You need to go to the temple because today is the day. He's going to be there. And so Simeon, an old man, we don't know how old he is. We don't know how long he's been waiting. But we do know that when he gets to the temple, he sees Mary and Joseph presenting Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he takes him in in his arms and says, This is him. Now, God, let your servant die in peace. And I can stand before you here today and tell you as a 20-something that even if I had a great moment, I wouldn't say, God, I'm good, take me. As I can't imagine a 30-year-old saying that. 40-year-old, 50. I don't know how old Simeon is, but he's probably old given the fact that this is the one thing that he's been waiting for to fulfill his life. We don't know how long he's been waiting in terms of years. We don't know how long he's been waiting on this promise. But when he sees Jesus, he holds Jesus, he says, this is what I've been waiting for, God. I'm good to go. This is, this is all I needed. And he still fights, I'm sure, until he sees Jesus all the way up until that day. He probably fights the fact of what if this isn't real? What if I didn't really hear that? What if I'm crazy? What if, what if God's not really active like he hasn't been the past couple hundred years? What if, what if, what if? But somehow he's still close enough with the Holy Spirit that when Jesus is here, The Holy Spirit whispers to him and says, today's your day, now go. And Simeon says these beautiful words that we're going to come back to in just a little bit, but he sees the promised Messiah that he had been waiting his entire life for. I can imagine it was a long wait. The next character is Anna who was a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel and from the tribe of Asher. And now the thing that's interesting about Anna is, I'm not saying it's right at all, but in this day and age, a woman's worth in her her society and in this nation was, was based, a woman's worth to her society was based on the man that she was connected to. It was based on the husband that she had. Now, a long time ago, she was married. Women got married relatively young, so probably a late teenager, early 20-something. When she got married, she was married to a man for seven years. Then her husband dies, and she's a widow. She's a widow who in this day and age would have also been the lowest of the low in the society, the people that, the widow and the orphans, those were the people that the church had to protect. These are the people that the church wanted to take care of because they were viewed as the lowest in their society. And that's who Anna is, and she has been a widow likely for 84 years. It's been 84 years since she's seen or heard her husband. And according to society, it's been 84 years since she's had a lick of influence a lick of worth, a lick of value. She is, she's, she's not valuable to society. And now, first of all, I think it's interesting that God calls her still a prophetess. And also, I think it reveals what God really thinks about how amazing and powerful women can be. That, that, that he views Anna as a prophet. That he chose Mary to be the favored one of God that got to carry the son of God. How amazing is that? And how amazing does he think women really are? But in this day and age, Anna would have been viewed as the lowest of the low, and had been so for 84 years. Her husband and her worth to society was a distant memory. Yet this old woman, it says that she's never leaving the temple, daily seeking God with fasting and prayer. So let me, let me, let me rehearse this again. She's been a widow for 84 years. She got married as a young teen or early 20-something. She is well over 100 years old and fasting. That's a bad idea. You know, like, if I would have been somebody of influence in Anna's life, it'd be, I would try to be like slipping crackers into her mouth. Like, you know, like, you got to eat something, woman. Like, you can pray, you can worship, you can be in the temple. We are so glad that you're here. Keep seeking God, but eat something so that you put some meat on those bones, lady. But she is determined as a 100-something-year-old woman that I am going to seek God. God. And here's the thing. Simeon had a promise from God that she was going to see the Messiah. As far as we can tell, Anna didn't have anything. But she was just taking life as it came, knowing that, God, I know I lost my husband well before I was supposed to. I know that society doesn't view me as somebody valuable, but, God, I want to be close to you. So I'm never leaving this temple. I'm not going to remarry. I'm just going to stay in the temple, and I'm going to seek God. And she did so for 84 years. That's a little bit longer than I've even been alive. She's seeking God for 84 years, day and night in the temple, fasting, praying, and worshiping. And the beautiful thing is she is in the temple. Because she's always in the temple, she sees what happens with Simeon. Now, I think that's a good thing to note. if, If you're always in church, you never miss out on the good things that happen in church. Amen? That's a side note. That was free. Okay. But Anna is always... In the temple. She's always seeking God, always in the temple praying and fasting and worshiping. And because of that, she sees what happens across the temple as Simeon lifts up this baby, which would have been a common sight for her because everybody brought their babies to the temple in Jerusalem to to, to fulfill the law as 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 the Bible says. So, so she would have seen this countless times, but she sees Simeon lifting up this baby and says, now let your servant die in peace. This is the salvation that we have been waiting for. This is the promised Messiah. This is Christ the Lord in Anna. Her eyes are open to it too. And she sees this baby Jesus and she goes, oh my gosh, this is the promised Messiah that I didn't even know that I was waiting for. But here I am 84 years after my last worth to society and now I get to see the face of God. Interestingly enough, that's what Her father's name means. Phanuel means face of God. And she sees the face of God in Jesus. And I love this about Anna. Simeon is holding the baby and he declares this is the Lord's salvation as he holds the baby up. You know what Anna gets to do? She gets to be the first preacher of Jesus ever. She gets to be the first one to ever preach about Jesus. It's a privilege that we as pastors all have. Our message clearly is Jesus. We want people to accept Jesus. Guess who the first one to declare that is? It's not Simeon. He declares it. That's great. The first one to preach the message is not John the Baptist. It's not Jesus. The first one to say, "This, this is the son of God. This is the one we've been waiting for. That's Anna. She doesn't get that privilege if she gives up on life. She doesn't get that privilege if she gives up after 83 years. She doesn't get that privilege if she would decide, you know what, I'm going to go a different way. I want to have some worth to society. I want to take my own way rather than God's plan and just seeking God. I want to be remarried. I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but because she said, this is tragic. I don't know what God's up to in this, but I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing she gets to be the first one to hear Simeon's declaration and share the message with everybody in Israel who has been waiting for this Messiah, which was everybody. Everybody was waiting on this Messiah. Simeon declares it, Anna hears it, and she preaches it. How beautiful is that? These two people that have been waiting for so long, for decades probably, for their entire life, these people were actively seeking God in their waiting Season And here's what I want to get to today. Waiting is not disengaging. Waiting is not passive. I think Simeon and Anna can teach us to wait well because while we wait on God, we can be more active than ever. As Simeon was waiting on God, he didn't receive the promise, give up on his relationship with the Holy Spirit and say, God, you're just going to bring him my way. No, he was fervently serving the Lord. He was actively serving the Lord. He was close enough with the Holy Spirit that he whispered in his heart, Get to that temple. I'm not bringing him to you. You got to go to him. You got to be actively serving the Lord. If you're waiting on a promise from God, it's not God pressing pause on your relationship with him, it's actually an invitation to get closer to him than ever. Simeon and Anna waited and waited and waited, and they weren't disengaged as we oftentimes can be, as our kids' church can often be when I tell them, no, it's not time for snack yet. It's, waiting is not disengaging from the situation. It's not passively sitting back. It's actually an invitation to be more active than ever. And this Christmas season, I don't know what you're waiting for. I can think of, I mean, a number of scenarios that might be pretty common. Maybe you have... A son or a daughter that that doesn't know the Lord and you've been praying and seeking God, please bring them home. Please bring them to you, God. Maybe you're just asking for peace in your family and less awkward family Christmases and you're just like, God, I know one of these seasons it's going to work out. Maybe you're Maybe there's a specific promise from God that you received years ago that you feel like he's delaying you on. Or you feel like maybe you're getting in the way. Maybe not. I think that sometimes we convince ourselves something is wrong when really all that's happening is God is putting us in a waiting season. And that's okay. Waiting doesn't mean that anything is wrong. It actually may mean that something is more right than ever. And all God is doing is inviting us in the waiting season to get closer than ever. I want to look at these as we close today. I want to look at these words of Simeon. These specific words of Simeon are so powerful and so beautiful. I can imagine that over the years he had plenty of time to think about if this is true. If I really get to see Jesus. If I really get to see this promised Messiah. What am I going to get to see? What am I going to say? What am I going to say before God and his parents? And, and these are the words he comes up with. I think it's some of the most profound and beautiful in the whole Bible. He says, Sovereign Lord. Now, let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. I want to pause right there, because he says, God, let your servant die in peace. In other words, my waiting is over. God, I'm ready to go. But then he says, I have seen your salvation. I think that's so beautiful, because... He was close enough with God to see that because as Jesus lived through his life, not everyone believes that he is the promised one of God. Not everyone believes, even after he dies on the cross and raises from the dead, not everyone believes that truly this is the son of God. But from the moment he was a baby, Simeon says, this is the one. I know, God, that this is how you are going to save your people. This is the one we've been waiting for. I have seen Your salvation. In fact, I'm holding him in my hands, which you have prepared for all people. Now, I think this is interesting. All people. Because Simeon was an Israelite, he was a Jew. And Jews at this time in the Bible would have believed that they were the special people of God, that everyone else was excluded on the promises of God, and everyone that was a Jew was included. It was about the the people of Abraham, the, the, the descendants, who your ancestors were. That was what determined who you were as a person of God. That would have been the way he was taught, the way that he was raised. It would have been the life that he lived all the way through his life. But then he sees Jesus and he says, you are salvation for all people. All people. He says, this baby that I'm holding, he is a light to the nations. Meaning that you and I sitting here in the United States of America, we wouldn't have formerly been included on the promises of God. But now because of Jesus, we are. I am... Holding in my hands a light to the nations. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you came from. It doesn't matter your life story. It doesn't matter what race you are, what gender you are. I am holding in my hands the light to all nations. He is salvation for all people. Jesus He's a light to all nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. Meaning to these people that have been waiting for this Messiah. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting since the beginning of time for us as Israel. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting for this promised one that was to come. Some people thought he would come as a king. Some people thought he would come as a warrior. But how he actually came is in this little baby form right here. I am holding the light to the nations, but also the glory of Israel. The one that we have been waiting for throughout all of our history, throughout all of the Bible. This is the child that it's about. God, let your servant go in peace. I've seen your salvation. For all people and the glory of your people, Israel. Then he says that Jesus' parents were amazed at what he was saying about him. I can't can't even imagine what what it would have been like for Mary and Joseph to hear this said about this baby that they know is special because they saw an angel declaring it to them, but they probably don't have any idea what really is happening. And they hear this son, salvation for all people, and they're amazed. Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. I want you to catch that. As a result of Jesus, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your very soul, speaking to how he would die. Saying, Israel has been waiting and waiting and waiting for this promised Messiah. And when they see him, they in fact, the people of Israel will reject him. Many will reject him. Many will say, no, this isn't the king we wanted. This isn't the warrior we were expecting. Somebody else, somebody better is to come. This guy is not even from God. Israel, people in Israel would reject him and put him on a cross. It would reveal the deepest thoughts about them to say that they're not actually interested in who God is. They're not interested in what God's doing. They're interested in their own rule-following ways. He will be a curse for many because that's what they will do to him, but he will be a blessing to many others. Why? Because for those who accept him, he is salvation. I love this verse that says, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And I want to tell you today the most important thing that you can think in your life. The most important thing about your life is what you think about Jesus. So the most important thought you'll ever have, you might have the whole New Testament or the, the whole Old Testament memorized, so did the Pharisees, and they may have missed out. They put Jesus on a cross. You might not know anything about church, but if you can make up your mind about Jesus, welcome in. You might not have ever been setting foot into a church in your life, but if you can make up your mind and say, Jesus, he's the salvation that I've been looking for. He's the one that I've been wanting. He's the missing piece to my life. If you can make up your mind about Jesus, you are welcome in. The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, meaning that if you're prideful thinking that I can earn my own way into heaven, no, you can't. That's exactly what put Jesus on the cross. But the way that you get in is through accepting this child that Simeon was holding. God, I have seen your salvation. His name is Jesus. Will you stand with me today? The Bible says that there is no other name by which we can be saved. Can't be saved by Pastor Paul. Can't be saved by Pastor Jordan. Can't be saved by a godly father that raised you, it doesn't matter who you are, there is one name and that name is Jesus. Simeon declared it. Anna preached it. They had waited their entire life. And the moment he steps into the earth, they hold him up say, this, this is the salvation for all people. And for us here today, the most important thing about you, about your life, is what you decide to do with Jesus. Jesus, with him, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. I want you to learn today to wait well, but most of all, I want us to decide what are we going to do with Jesus? Because he's salvation for all people if you'll accept him. Will you close your eyes with me today? I want to ask today, if there's anybody here that maybe what I said earlier resonates with you, that you maybe haven't been to church, or maybe you have your whole life but you've been playing church games or you've done nothing to do with church, nothing to do with God, and you are here today saying something's missing. I want to tell you today that what's missing is Jesus. And church comes along with it, but church can't save you. Pastors can't save you. Good works can't save you. Jesus can, and that's what Simeon and Anna declared. What are we going to do with Jesus? Today, if you're not sure I've ever made a decision about Jesus, today is your day to say, yes, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I accept you, Jesus. You're what's missing. You can fix what's broken. I can't fix it. My family can't fix it. Church can't even fix it. But Jesus, you can. I welcome you into my life. If that if that's you today, you're thinking, I need to do that. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and here's why. Not because we're going to take a tally. Not because we need you to be embarrassed in front of the people sitting around you. The reason we ask you to raise your hand is because when you do something physical with your body, it solidifies in your own heart and in your own mind that today, I made a decision for Jesus Christ. And there's nothing more beautiful, there's nothing more important than, than you, that you could do. Simeon himself declared it because of Jesus What you think about him is going to be revealed. So today, let's make up our mind and say, Jesus, I need you. If that's you, on the count of three, will you raise your hand so we can pray with you? Every eye closed and every head bowed. One, God loves you so much that he sent this one and only son to earth. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. We don't have a minute to waste, a day to lose. right now is your moment if you're thinking of it. Three, if that's you, will you raise your hand so we can pray with you? Thank you. You can put it back down. Anybody else that would like to make this decision today that would like to join these? Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. You can put your hands back down. One last time. Anyone else that would like to join these? All right, we're going to pray. We're going to pray, everybody together, but especially if you raise your hand, we're going to say a prayer, and it's not magic. It's not perfect. It's not incredible in and of itself. They're just words, but if you mean them and if you say them to God, God, you're welcoming Jesus into your heart and into your life, and it, it saves you. It puts you in an eternal heaven and a path towards that on this earth. It can't fix every problem, but it can begin a relationship with Jesus that will change your life. He is the salvation that God has sent. And today, if you made that decision, you get to start relationship with him. So especially if you raised your hand, but all of us together, let's say these words. Say, Dear Lord Jesus... I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe you died on the cross to save me from my sin. I acknowledge to you today that I have sinned. I am broken. I need you. Jesus, come into my life. Make me a child of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. God, I thank you so much for all of these people here today, especially those that said today, Jesus, I need you. I pray that you would encourage us as we even wait for heaven, as we wait for promises you've given us, as we wait for better scenarios, and as we wait to one day come home to you, or maybe even wait for one day for you to return. God, I pray that you would help us to wait patiently, actively. Help us to not be disengaged. Help us not be passive. Help us to be fervent, serving you with more zeal than we ever have before, expecting you to do great things as we wait for heaven, as we wait for you to fulfill promises. God, we believe you, we trust you, and we will serve you. We thank you today for an amazing day in your house. In Jesus' name, and we said, amen.